0: Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. Wow, that was not as good as last time. I'm Ted McKinley. <laughs> and, and I'm
1: because... Chris Lork.
0: <laughs> you know, such podcasts as. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess I don't need to uh, introduce Anthony Giorgio now. Anthony Giorgio, our our uh, ZCX expert.
1: Raining zcx expert
0: oh raining! that's right raining. Yeah.
1: a challenger I, can show up at any any point in time watch your back yeah a, remember the old days when
2: you put a quarter on the arcade machine you know i'm not i'm up next
0: <laughs> for, uh for for you uh younger people an arcade machine is kind of like a video game but you had to go somewhere uh to to play it you couldn't play it at home and a quarter that, that was... is
1: a thing that frank used to pay to get into a movie <laughs> hey. And outside is the place we
2: used to go before the end times.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, second time around, not that bad. <laughs> can, can you tell we've been working
0: remotely since March? <laughs> so so uh, what makes you the expert? Why should we listen to you as What gives you the, the right? That's right. <laughs> Well, they, they stuck me on this thing with the
2: tester to try to break it, pull it apart and make it fail and I've been doing that now for oh, probably close to two years and, and I've broken it in lots of interesting ways. So um I I guess that's a good thing. You know, I, I keep handing them a lot of pieces and saying, um, yeah, can you put this back together please? And it's like, Oh, gee, how did you do that? So uh I don't know. Does that make me an expert? I'm good at making things
0: fail. So uh so how did you get to, to here? I mean, did you Did you grow up saying, I I want to do CCX when I grow up, or...?
2: Well, I always liked computers as a kid, and I, I was, you know, a, a computer nerd without a computer for a long time, and I got one as a teen, and then it was off to the races, and I had, you know, a really good high school teacher who kind of you know, got me into programming, and then I went to college for CS and really enjoyed it, and then IBM was my first, you know, full-time job out of that, and I, I've been here, it'll be 20 years in July, so it's been a long and interesting career. Um, started Did started come the, into
1: IBM thinking you'd be a, a programmer? Um
2: yeah, actually I had a couple of options, um, believe it or not. Uh, one of them was uh, you know, just software engineering doing development, which was cool. One of them I believe was doing Linux testing. It was really early on in that effort. Um but they when they said, Oh, you might have to work third shift, uh nah, I wasn't interested in that. <laughs> and and there was one more that I honestly do not recall. It's been, you know, two two decades as a way of making memories fuzzy like that. But um yeah, it's like, oh okay, I can develop and that's cool. And then I so got here, showed up, and they said, you'll be working on DBX debugger, and it's in this thing called you know, Unix System Services, but everyone else calls it Open Edition. You know, this, this was you know, quite a long time ago, and just trying to figure out how all that worked. And, and I showed up kind of as a Linux nerd, and I'm like, oh, well, Open Edition's kind of like Linux. It's a sort of weird Unix thing, and yeah, wow, um, there was a lot to learn there. That rabbit hole goes pretty deep, so... Uh, <laughs> about five years working on dbx you know and trying to make it as good as i could and then they took me off that and said you know here we need to port some stuff some open source code and it's like oh yeah i'm a, I'm a long-haired open source hippie this will be fun and they gave me a team in china and we we ported some stuff and that that worked out pretty well and then um I got stolen to work on Z Manager, which was this you know giant big project that some of you folks may have remembered. It was this weird blade center thing you could attach to the mainframe you could run you know Linux and windows and a i x and attach to z o s and it was going to you know be really cool and set the world on fire and yeah, it didn't really do that well so that got canceled, moved on to another project, which involved um, this thing called HPM, Hypervisor Performance Manager, was gonna do all sorts of cool workload analysis, kind, kind of like how um, Workload Manager works in ZOS, but it would do it for other operating systems, and that yeah. was gonna be cool too, and that didn't really go anywhere, and then we were gonna, okay, let's let's port that with you know KVM and this other project, and that project shipped and didn't really go anywhere, so that got canceled, and then, Put onto it. With, Let's try making this work with ZVM, and that ended up never shipping. So, um, a pattern. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but ten years of me trying things, and you know, all fail. Well, we didn't fail technically. We failed in the marketplace, which is okay because you got to try something sometimes. And if it doesn't succeed, then at least you tried, and then you can learn from the the effort.
1: I'm, I'm going to spin so, this in your favor, kind of what you just said, but like uh, you, you never you never uh, fail without learning something that you're able to bring into your next. uh, your next attempt.
2: what's I, the old saying? It. experience is what you need after you've acquired it or
0: something like uh, that. It. Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. That's what I say. Mm. So then uh heard about this cool Linux on ZOS
2: thing, science experiment sort of thing that was going on. And I was like, ooh, ooh this sounds interesting. And hey, my team happened to have nothing to do because they, you know, canceled what we're working on. So like, hey, you guys go work on that now. So I all right, this will be fun. And um Honestly, there was this cool science experiment that's been going on in research on and off for the better part of a decade or so, you know, because you know, some guy down there wrote a hypervisor that could run Linux under ZOS. And it's like, okay, this this is interesting. You know, this, this might have some legs. What can we do with this? And um when I showed up as kind of a small team, they had just you know productizing it, if you will, you know, taking the science experiment decode and making it into an actual thing that'll really work, but it was still missing a lot of the infrastructure. You know, it was able to to run, but, you know, a lot of hacks and kludges and duct tape and chewing gum, and you could stand up Linux, but a lot of questions still had to be answered, and it was kind of the very beginning of the project. So m- moved on from that, managed to get a lot of the um, stuff in place, actually start banging on it, testing on it, and at the beginning, it really wasn't that stable, to be, to be frank. I mean, just trying to make sure—how do you make sure the I/O works? How do you make sure all the memory works? And just getting that happy path down straight—you know was a really important thing. So you kind of got to treat it with kid gloves to start with. And over time, you keep—you know—breaking it, keep breaking it, keep fixing it, just keep iterating on that. And then you get to the point where, okay, this this is starting to work now. This is starting to get kind of stable. And you just keep throwing more stuff at it, and. Um, it's a point now we're two years into it and it's actually a, a pretty darn good product you know where we've we've shipped our customers are playing with it
1: and there's a lot of cool things going on in the space so um when this came you know started out in, in research was it always you know you said it's a hypervisor under zos was it always specifically meant for linux or was it like hey guys i invented a zvm again and it <laughs> then got refined to like the container realm of, of linux well the container thing definitely came later um
2: from what i understand i I think this was originally intended to run linux um i don't see why you couldn't run something else under it but i believe that was the original intent um because linux kind of i don't know it sort of got everyone interested you know zvm under linux and with kvm and linux and let's linux runs everywhere so some people just want to really make it run literally everywhere (laughs) so i I think this might have been part of that and um and we've been in contact with a bunch with the original author, and just trying to like, really "Gee, why does that work that way?" You know, because there's a decent chunk of code here, and it's kind of always fun inheriting something you didn't write and just trying to figure out what to do with that and where to go with it. So,
1: but that's, um, that's that's a view. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends who you're inheriting that code from.
2: It's always (laughs) interesting getting code from researchers because they have very different priorities than software developers. You know, researchers want to know if something can be done and the software developers want to have something that's maintainable because they're the ones that are stuck fixing it. And your research tends to say, hey, we did this to chuck it over the wall. And then it's like, oh, geez. Um, okay, now what?
1: You scientists were so concerned with figuring out if you could
0: <laughs> that you didn't figure out if you could. To mm-hmm. butcher that line, we're, we're, we're just going to do movie quotes. I can see that's the
2: channeling <laughs> great you know,
0: It's Chinatown. I, I wonder if anyone's ever ported that
2: cool 3D graphical file manager to ZOS. That would be kind of nifty.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, or Tux Race. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah. So, so ZCX is honestly, it's it's gone. You know, it, it's kind of grown up a little bit. It's kind of neat taking something and watching it get its first steps and then and and grow and mature and, and become something that's now it's like, well, wait, we were just kind of playing with this and it was you know, crashing like crazy. To like, wait, you're going to build a product off this thing? Like, oh my god, I hope I did my job right. You know, like what what are you going to find that we didn't? <laughs> but
1: so that so, that space between, gee, this thing works and we've seen it work. To we're going to let people play with this as as the uh, the test engineer, how do you start working at something like that to say okay, what, what we're going to put this thing through its paces? What how do you come up with that?
2: Well, just at, at first it was well, do, do we have a Linux that can run on it? And like, all right, we'll just take you know a generic Ubuntu image or something like that, and how, how do you get that onto ZOS? You know, it's like Ubuntu, you know, normally it comes with like an ISO or something like that. Well. Mm. ZOS does not understand that. So then you're like, like how, do you, how do you convert that stuff? And um, luckily we have a really good technical team and you know, they, they wrote a lot of nice utilities and helper stuff to get things in the right format. Um, but basically all ZCX really does is you just kind of load up the storage. You say, these are some disks that I have. You know this is, some, this is the memory I have allocated. I'll load the kernel here. And you just kind of point you know, the instruction pointer at the start address and say, go. And quite a lot of magic happens, but really it's kind of working the same way that ZVM does because we've got so much cool hardware virtualization and acceleration going on there. We just say, here's our control block, here's what we know about, here's what you need to do, go. And and bother us if you need something. And then the (laughs) hardware, does a lot of that honestly on its own, and it's like, oh, can you do some I/O for us? Sure, you know, we'll we'll handle all that under the covers because you know, Linux doesn't really know about you know ZOS datasets or things like that. I mean, Linux can do DASD and all that because it's been ported to, but this is this is way different than a ZVM guest or a KVM guest. This is a whole nother animal, and um, we've had to kind of be very aware of that just because we're the new kid on the block, and um, <laughs> we, we found out kind of early on that. In Linux land on Z, you're either ZVM or you're KVM and nothing else. And then we showed up and we're neither. And all of a sudden th- those paths that are if then, yeah, there's no, there's, that, that else goes down a bad way. So we have to have a lot of, uh... <laughs> so you know when things are making ZVM calls in your ZOS, yeah, things will go off the rails pretty quick. <laughs> so so we, we had to kind of lie to Linux at first and say, no, no, yeah,
1: yeah we're, 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 we're KVM, sure. And, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you so uh, they're they're expecting either left or right, and you have to invent a new direction.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we 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 went you know middle. We we went straight down the fork, and you're know, literally blazing a new trail. And and it's it's not that easy to say you know hey you know Colonel folks um you know can you just like put this new ZCX thing in there and it's like yeah but you know there's a process for that you know you have to go and get that you know, write the code and get the code approved and because it, it's all going open source and then they have to get it and they have to accept the patch and the patch has to make its way there and then it has to trick all the way back down to you so just because you know you want to do something you know there can be six months or a year lag between that actually showing up in a system you need so um, sometimes you have to have these workarounds that last a little longer than you'd like
1: you uh, you gave me an idea for the episode title, and I think it's gonna be uh, the new kid on the control block. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, how, so how did you uh, end up or how did they end up um, solving that ISO to I'm assuming it got translated to like a ZFS or something like that? Well the the the, the it's actually kind of funny. Um
2: we, we have to go both ways. Um you know, getting like an Ubuntu ISO into a VSAM data set, it's it's not that big of a deal we're just using a, a linear data set just you know wholesale mm. and it just got the bytes in it and there's like a little control interval at the beginning that's got like our metadata in there so we know like yes this is a zcx data set not just some random garbage that's there and you know, versioning and timestamps, and you know what what is this is this a root disk you know is this going to be a data disk or what what are you going to put here because you know you can throw you know 100 200 disks at a zcx instance now at this point and wow just, yeah it's yeah it's, it's we've grown up a lot i mean we went from you know, you had you had a root like, like really old school, you know, root and boot disk, because I'm old enough to boot Linux off floppies. Jeez, I'm dating myself here. <laughs> so you had your, had your boot disk and your root disk and, and, and here's home and, and that was it. And then you, you ran some JCL to get it running. And now we've got all these cool ZOSMF workflows that create all this stuff for you. Um, and, and it's actually kind of funny the other way around. You know, when you go and you provision a ZCX instance for the first time, you get something that is, you know, it's cloned off a of golden master, if you will. There's hmm. a, a essentially... Um, a disk sitting out in Unix file system on, you know, in Unix system services over there. And that gets copied for your instance, but it also has to be customized because it needs to, you know, put the host name and the IP address and SSH keys and whatever else you do. And the way that normally works, like in Red Hat via, you know, Kickstarter, Ubuntu's got their own thing is you provide it like an ISO and you say, okay, you know, here's an ISO with some files on it, you know, go at it. And your Linux knows how to do that. The problem is that ZOS doesn't know how to make ISOs there's no MKISOFS, you know in a tso prompt that's not a thing so <laughs> so you know um rick creedy on our development team who is you know fantastically brilliant wrote a rex exec to do that which was really quite impressive so um I, actually laying out the file system in binary in rex you know i really have to give him kudos for that it's very impressive
0: um, yeah us old guys can make stuff happen <laughs>
1: So So, um, that's part of that silence that I typically edit out of every episode. (laughs) But I
0: might just let it bake there. (laughs) So so you've been talking a lot, Anthony, about uh, the fact that this is a Linux thing. But from a ZCX perspective, it's not like users are using um, Linux as much, right? This is more of a Docker solution. It's not like people go and 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 futz with the kernel within an address space, right? Right.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. So this this is not a general purpose Linux solution, and and we've been very clear about that. If if you want a general purpose Linux on Z hardware, there's already solutions for that. You can go and you can install Linux in an LPAR. You can install Linux as a ZVM guest. There's a, I believe, there there was a KVM product. There's lots of ways to get that. Um, This is intended to run a Linux container inside ZOS, and you know that is a very valid use case for some people and other folks look at it and go, well, why would I ever want to do that? I have no use for that. So, and, and some folks are in love with this. So it's really hard to tell. Um, yeah, it's,
0: it, we had um, Gary come talk to us when, uh, when it first came out and people could go back to the, to that earlier episode. Um, and at the time I was, I was kind of in the, the skeptical camp of, why would I use this? But I gotta tell you, pretty much every time I turn around, uh, I'm coming up with another use case that would mm. that would really make a lot of sense there.
2: I I've I've been pretty impressed by some of the things that have popped out as a result. Um one of the ones, um, and I saw there's some external slides so I can talk about this now. Um, mm-hmm. Isha Powers did a neat keynote about um because she's over, she's the crypto queen and she's been on the, the podcast too. You know, she she's impressive. Um the secure key management. Oh, what does that stand for? S K L M secure key license manager, Lifecycle manager. manager. Yes. Yeah, so right. Please don't play spot the acronym with me. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bring that back. <laughs> It, it's, it's, uh, it was a really interesting solution because they, they had a piece of software in ZOS that was getting out of date and needed an overhaul. And they had a separate set of code that ran under Linux, Unix, and Windows, um, literally L-U-W. I, I, that seems to be a common acronym. I know DB2 has an L-U-W product as well. Yeah. Um, so it, they decided, well, instead of you know, spending all the time to overhaul the ZOS one, why don't we just you know, bring the Linux code into ZOS as a container under ZCX? Huh. So it's the existing code containerized running where you need it. So And it's a lot less development effort because it's the same code. They just you know put a bow on it, essentially. So you have the ZOS gets all the features. They get parity. They get all new support, what they need to do. And there's less of a maintenance burden. So I kind of view that as a win-win. It's kind of a, a real interesting solution.
1: Yeah. And if, if, we, if we told customers in order to generate this thing you need a linux system and you need to spin up a linux system just to run this one command and collect this output from it they'd tell us to pound, pound sand so it's that's that's uh that's a great uh, application for it, I think.
2: And I, I know yep. we've done that before because there's been some Tivoli <laughs> stuff that says, oh, Yo, you need a Linux thing for this. And it's like, oh, great. That goes over like a lead balloon, you know? So yeah. like I've got this you know, million dollar box here. You know, he told me I need something else. So yeah. we yeah. in
1: the Windows
0: system. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but but uh, the other thing that's cool about this is now I've got a set of tools um, and I don't have to have, uh, Z people manage some of those tools, right? So um, I kind of get the best of both worlds from, from a data center perspective that uh, ZOS doesn't become kind of just that island machine over there, right? And and to me, that's a big part of this is that this this starts to allow the system um, to be less of a pariah from a data center management perspective, um, we can see it uh, and and how it's performing. It's easier for people to, you know, look side by side between this and, and some of the other systems they have. And I think that's a really important value: is that we start to to become um, less isolated and more connected. Uh, I, and I, think I like really that important. word
2: you used. I, I like that pariah term because mm. I I feel like that's that's very true. Because for the longest time, ZOS has just been you know, that weird kid in the corner, you know, he's, he's really smart. He's really capable, but like, like, what is he talking about again? You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> if he would just stop speaking Esperanza, we'd be okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and the, the, the more I learned about ZOS, you know, the more impressed I am, but just sometimes digging out those features is just so time consuming. You know, it's just, I, I think it was, um, oh what Elizabeth was saying, what's her last name? Is it Elizabeth Joseph? Yes, I was gonna yeah. say she goes by the Princess Leia handle. That's all it's all yeah. that's her short name. Yeah. So so when Elizabeth Joseph was on the podcast um a couple episodes back, you know, she was saying how when she showed up to, to Z, we already had solutions for a lot of the problems that the distributed folks are trying to solve. And I, I really feel like that's the case. You know, we we make the impossible things reasonable but the easy thing's frustratingly difficult sometimes. <laughs> and, and it just, and, and I feel like, you know, ZCX is just, you know, one more thing. If we can try to just make the platform more accessible, you know, we can, you know, just make it play nicer with everyone. You know, he, here's our capabilities. Here's all the great stuff we can do. And now look, you can access it and it's like everybody else. So.
0: And, we- and that's, that's the key, right? Is that it doesn't matter how cool it is. If I can't use it the way I expect to use it, then it doesn't matter, right? And, and really, we have an opportunity to be the simpler solution, um, but you have to get through that complex stuff first. So I, I, I do believe the big part of the work for the next few years is gonna be, how do I make this thing easier to manage, easier to program to, uh, and easier to use?
1: It's like if uh, I'm re- someone's recommending a movie or a TV show, and you're oh great, I, th- I think I'll watch that. Is that on Netflix? No, you actually need a satellite dish and a transcoder and uh, this this you know <laughs> this gigantic machine, and you can only watch it on a CRT. Um, <laughs> and it's in PAL format. <laughs> and you need to sync it up with a metronome. Hey, callbacks. Um, I, I'm curious, and I know the the answer is it depends. But what is, like, the the average lifespan of a ZCX container? Oh, can containers can – now, that this, this is an interesting question because, you know, containers can come
2: and go as much as you want. And also, the ZCX instances can have life cycles as well because you can have one or many of those. This is not, like, a normal ZOS component where you can have just, oh, here's, you know – this component x is going to be up for the entire life of the system you can have one or many zcx's which is actually kind of funky and it's sort of different to a lot of stuff that's you know shipped with the operating system
1: i mean Um, i'm kind of making the, the analogy of it to like an address space yeah, well, it, it is an address space, and, and you can
2: have many of us, which is kind of kind of funky. As long as they all have different names, then you can run one container in that if it's like a giant mega monolithic container, or you can have like lots of little micro ones, you know, coming and going all the time. If that's you know, it's really whatever your application is going to do, and it it's just you know Docker under the covers, so it it doesn't really matter, you know. However you want to do this, if you want to start and stop frequently, or you want to run one and have it be the entire size of your your instance, that's cool too.
1: I mean, Z, Z is kind of known for being uh, very tightly in control of its resources. How, how does that happen, or how does that get managed? When you know one of your one of your instances might be like, "I need some more memory." Now I'm done with it. Like, does does you know? You said a lot of it gets handled by the hardware and the system itself and the virtualization. But how does the memory aspect of it, for example, get get handled?
2: That's actually a great question, and I got a, a cool thing to add to this. So, um, well, the, the nice thing about ZCX is that you decide what resources you want it to use. So when you – we use the term provision. Um, mm. That's just what we picked. When you provision an instance. You say, okay, I want to call this, you know, ZCX foo or whatever you want to name that. And I want to give it, you know, 100 gigs of memory. I want to give it these disks. I want it to have this IP address. And you, you answer a couple other questions. Oh, and, and you don't have to use JCL to do this. It's all done via the USMF APIs or the ZUSMF. Web interface, it's you know very slick. So you, you type all that in, you give it all the storage, and then you, they say go, and lots of magic happens under the covers, and all the disks get laid out, and everything gets provisioned, and directories get mounted, and file system get created, and all, you're all set and done. And at that point, you can say start, and then those ECX will go and bring up that you will create a new address space, and it'll get the amount of memory that you defined it. So if you say I want 100 gigs, we get 100 gigs roughly, we, you know, we get like a, a smidge more, you know, as a hypervisor, we need our own accounting and stuff like that. But the vast majority of this gets allocated, you know, for the guest, we get a huge chunk of space. And um, yeah, we're kind of piggish in that respect. So um, if you're going to run this, you need to do memory and capacity planning, because, you know, this is running a whole nother operating system. So, um, you know, if, if, you know, make sure you have enough storage in your LPARs, if you're going to do this.
0: Um, so you you brought up an important point that I'd like you to talk about. When, when you say, basically, I have an address space and I'm I'm bringing up a whole new operating system in it, and then I got Docker um, above that, and then finally somewhere near the top I have code. How does how does this kind of thing perform? It sounds like it would be pretty heavy.
2: It it actually performs really well and like surprisingly so. And, and we've, there's a bunch of APARs that have landed since we went in GA that address some of these things. And it was pretty quick to begin with, you know, I'm going to qualify these statements. I'm not a, you know, performance tester. You know, I don't have the special, you know, air gap system that only does one thing at a time. So you can get, you know, actual performance numbers. But from the graph size scene, it is pretty comparable to like, you know, Linux under ZVM or Linux under KVM and things like that. And even approaching like Linux on LPAR, it's pretty darn good. Um, We've taken a lot of effort to stay out of the way. So you know, this code we've taken to reduce interruptions. It this way we don't get woken up unless we actually need to. As long as we're just off to the side and letting the hardware do its thing, it runs you know pretty darn quick. Now that being said, you know obviously there's always room for improvement, um, you know, we keep you know chasing after that. Um, it runs on zips, which is really nice. So ah. this way you're not impacting any of your, you know, your, uh, you know, rolling four-hour average or stuff like that. So if you have a bunch of zips in your machine, you know, it's spending the vast, vast, vast majority of the time there, assuming you've configured it, you know, to not, you know, spill over or, or spill over if you want to do that sort of thing. Um, it's totally up
1: to you. There's a lot of knobs and switches and things you can play with here to get it to run the way you want. Uh, let's see. Is, is that in a, like a text file or is that something you do through your workflow configuration?
2: Everything is supposed to be done via the workflows. Although if you're talking about like the, you know, playing with a spillover and stuff like that, I believe that's on a per LPAR basis or per, you know, ZOS instance basis. So you can say, you know, do I want things to spill from my zips to my CPS or not? Um, oh, it's in ParmLive somewhere. I forget the exact member name, but it's a mouthful.
1: For, <laughs> uh, you kind of brought something up, like from from an architecture standpoint, does it make sense to have like one ZOS instance be the host for these ZCX containers and have that be part of like your sysplex or is it just wherever the data is and processes are that that would benefit from those? It, it really depends what you're using this for.
2: Um, one of the use cases I've seen is, okay, I've got a DB2, we've got all this nifty data, and it's really kind of crappy having to export that. Oh, can I say that on the pod? I hope so. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it's really not the greatest performance wise to ship things off platform to have them analyzed. So if you had a, a Linux box sitting on the side, now you're introducing you know network latency and all that. If you can keep the data you know in the same LPAR, we've got a lot of magical you know special sauce that the um, comm server people have done, which makes things really, 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 really fast. So if you need to get something from ZCX to some something with NLPAR, it's just memory-to-memory copies. It's using the same host accelerator extension or whatever it is that they built into CompServer, and it's incredibly quick. Mm. So that, that's, I, I think that's a pretty darn good use case. Um, you know, as, as far as, like, we're not sysplex aware in the sense that we'll like, share the load, but you can have ZCX instances in a sysplex, and that's fine, they, just, they won't you know, balance things like that. They just run on one host and they can you know, um, access whatever you need.
0: But I could use SysPlex Distributor from a TCP IP perspective to balance the load across those, right? Sure, yeah, whatever it's talking
2: to, absolutely. It's just that ZCX itself is just, I'm running on one. And if you needed to run on it, say like you know, for resiliency purposes, if you needed to go somewhere else or you know, your LPAR goes down, you can have, um, we're ARM aware. So you know, it'll restart you on whatever host is
1: still available in the SysPlex what's yeah, arm um automatic restart manager oh right right okay <laughs> i was i was thinking wait are we doing other processors now like <laughs> <laughs> that arm is a hideously overloaded acronym
0: <laughs> but we've been we've been using that for quite some time right uh yeah that's not a new so, thing yeah
2: now, now one of the other neat things that you know ZCX has done recently is we now support large pages, which is you know to try to address some of the memory issues. So ZOS, you know, for the last couple of releases has supported normally memory pages are four K in size, which you know was all well and good when you had a few megs of memory, but you know these things are up to you know four TB max, which is just you know insane when you think about that. So in order to you know really exploit that, you know you want to do one meg pages or even two gig pages, which is you know the best case. So if you have a ZCX instance and it's pretty large and you're giving it 100 gigs of memory, you really want to use one meg or even better two gig pages because you've got a lot less overhead in terms of going through all the virtual memory tables and, and page translations. You know, you're not bouncing back and forth following all these pointers everywhere. So if you just say, you know, hey, give me you know, 52 gig pages, boom, done. There you go. Much faster, much better performance. Um, only downside uh-huh. is that you have to take an IPL to get that stuff because you can't create two gig pages on the fly they need to be created at boot time
1: okay so that goes into um, that whole you need to have a capacity planning conversation uh-huh. thing yes when, when you want to start using zcx not just for like messing
2: around when you, you know put this in production sit down draw it out figure out you know what do you think you're going to need in terms of memory and make sure you assign that Now, we do support paging from a Linux perspective, you know, not not ZOS paging, but Linux paging. So you can say, here's a swap disk. So if you've got, I don't know, 100 gigs of memory, you know, you can go maybe two to one, but still that's that's an awful lot of paging. So give it a a swap disk or two or three and point it at that. And it'll happily page things in and out. Um, Obviously at a performance cost, you know, when you're writing things to disk, not that we're using spinning rust anymore, it's all solid state, but still that's (laughs) not as fast as
1: actual chips. Right. But that's kind of an interesting because I remember when when Linux on Z first became a thing, like people would port things from from X onto Z and they'd say, like, I need, you know, uh, four gigabytes of memory or something like that. You know, it was actually less at the time. And we'd say we will give you 256 meg and we will handle all of your paging. So there's there's it kind of needs to be looked at again about like how much you're going to let Linux do swapping versus letting the hardware or the OS ZOS do the, the paging and swapping.
2: Yeah, we right now we we use fixed pages and and the two gig pages for, are fixed by default. I, I think there's probably under the covers they're just an address space that's just there and existing.
1: So it sounds um, like a topic that we might want to uh, dive into uh on a future episode. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, we've
0: got some file stuff coming up uh absolutely so stay, stay tuned to that. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait so, to hear
1: that episode
2: so so you've,
0: yeah <laughs> you've uh you've talked uh, about the performance stuff um and, and that sounds kind of really important you've talked about some of the memory uh what, what else is is really cool about zcx today compared to when we had garia
2: <laughs> well, we can do one terabytes of memory in a guest now, which is pretty nifty. We we originally drew the line at 100 gig just because we figure, well, that that's enough for now, and we, let's do the whole you know small cupcake, make sure it gets out the door, but you know start pushing the limit. So so we're at one TB per instance, and you could have multiple instances. So now if you have enough memory and you're crazy enough, you could have a four TB ZOS and put a couple of one TB you know ZCXs in there. You know, should you decide to do that. Um We now do up to a thousand containers in a guest obviously you need to make sure you can back all those and you know you, you you can have you know, one mega container or a thousand you know itty bitty little ones or you know whatever in between uh i p v six is a thing now that's also kind of nifty
1: oh yeah, that uh, would kind of be needed for the uh, for that one million images kind of thing. <laughs>
2: No, it's only a thousand, not a million. Geez. You know, we're not there. We're not there yet.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's good to set
2: goals. A
1: yeah. um, couple
2: other little ones here and there. We have a, we have a trial now, you know, you can, you know, this, this baby, you know, knocks on hood.
1: Can you know, fit so many containers in it? Um, <laughs> you, so giving if, you lots of ideas for episode titles here. <laughs> It's actually pretty nifty because if you, if you want to play
2: with ZCX, but you don't want to commit to it yet, you can get a 90 day free. It, it's, it's like a shareware mainframe program. It's, it's like, I expect to like go down to the store and buy like a cardboard wrapped floppy disc, you know, and you know, where, where's the disc driving these things? Anyway. Um, so if you, <laughs> you, you can play with ZCX, you can, you know, it's, it's totally unlimited. You know, there's nothing on it. Just it's, time-based so you just call up your IBM rep and say hey I want to try zcx and then you can toggle the magic bit and you can go mess around with it and decide if you like it or not and then if you do then you can buy there's a, a special bit that they go turn on um, on your keck and says yes you are licensed to you know use zcx here and then you can have as many instances as you want running simultaneously um, so it, it's I think it's a pretty cool thing we've had some customers interested in that um. You know, no, no commitment to buy. I I feel like I'm I'm a you know refrigerator sales on a TV here or something like that or on Home Shopping Network. You know. <laughs>
1: <All> <laughs> well, <right>. I'm sold. <laughs> it sounds uh, like our, our next call is to our IBM rep uh, to to talk about you know just kicking the tires a little bit. Yep, they can go. And once you decide to sign up, they'll turn the
0: golden screwdriver and you'll be all set. <laughs> A golden screwdriver—that's up there with the with the magic bit.
2: <laughs> I I believe that goes back to um one of the chain printers. You can get a, a speed upgrade, and all the field engineer would do is change out the size of a gear or something like that, so you get twice the speed. So it was like a you know it was like a very expensive price. It just you know turn the screwdriver, <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: you're not supposed to <laughs> reveal those secrets it was very important hard <laughs> difficult thing to do
1: It's a very specially calibrated golden screwdriver
0: <laughs> so so this is this is really cool what uh, and i i don't want you to reveal any secrets or anything but but where where do we go from here i mean is what are the things that you want to work on for this
2: well, I mean, obviously, you know, con- containers in, in every way, shape, and form. I mean, Doc- Docker is really cool and, and all that, but there's other containery things going on. Hmm. Um, container orchestration is an important thing, and we've talked about Kubernetes, as you know, that's our statement of direction for the platform. I mean, we it's not available yet, but that's definitely something that we're working towards. Um, I'm guessing, you know, sometime next year. Although I can't really, you know, speak to dates and that sort of stuff. No but, statement um, of
1: direction here, official. No. <laughs> Well, from in Tennessee?
2: <laughs> if if we were in Quebec, we'd have to do a math problem or something before we can get that guarantee, right? Oh,
0: that's a great <laughs> reference. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll, we'll have to have you come back and talk about about it when, when you've got new updates
2: so but we're definitely seeing a lot of customer adoption though there's been a lot of um customers that are interested in this for just a variety of cases um and and some of them are even you know interested in bringing workload back to the platform you know things that they've you know, moved you know off the onto distributed stuff and it's like well hey we can get you know we can get better performance and it's not going to increase our cost. Plus, we can you know maybe get rid of a couple of these you know services, whether they're you know hosted on prem or they're hosted on the cloud. If we can get rid of that and put this in an LPAR, it's faster and cheaper. Then, well, why not? And if you're if you're a shop that is has ZOS experience and you're using Linux stuff to do analytics or other things like that, you know, ZCX can be really helpful.
0: Yeah, there's also a security component, right? If I can bring that stuff on the platform, uh, I can. I can eliminate some of the network, uh, issues. uh, issues. There's
2: there's also the, well, I've got data that's, you know, very private and in terms of, you know, it's regulated data or it's got personal health information or whatnot. And sometimes that has to be sanitized, scrubbed, et cetera. So if you're taking that, stripping it, copying it, and then analyzing it, wouldn't it be easier to analyze it where it sits? Yeah. And,
0: and most companies actually, uh, spend an awful lot of mips uh etl uh data off the platform and you know you can uh, a lot of them spend up to 20 percent of their mips just moving data off the platform and and this can can solve that problem why bother
2: okay? mm. So if, if you're looking you know, at your data for a, a go, no-go decision, or if I, hey, you know, is this transaction fraudulent or not? Or should I approve that loan? You know, if, if you're just looking for a yes, no, and you can do the analytics right here, and then you'll go hand that off to whatever you know, your, your loan application is doing, you can see a nice big throughput improvement. You know, obviously, your mileage may vary, You know, not valid in Quebec, but
0: hey. <laughs> OK, I can see a bunch of people complain about that joke. Uh, we're, we're uh, quite a bit past uh, the bottom of the hour here, um, and I, I really want to thank you, Anthony. This has been this has been a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's uh, my pleasure. I just wish we caught
1: all, all the stuff at the beginning of the show before we started recording. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was gold. Once uh, yeah. once you get working on the time machine technology, we will have it. <laughs> I thought Apple patented that. <laughs> Oof, Gro- I'm groaning at that one.
0: Groaning, that was a groaner. <laughs> Well, that seems like the perfect point to say, old man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.